Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. We're in this new series called Hashtag Strengthen Your Stakes, and it's based out of Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. You know, and basically it's talking about enlarging the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And that's where it's coming from, strengthen your stakes. You know, we've talked a lot about enlarging this year, enlarging our capacity, enlarging aspects of our lives, and, and I feel like the church is doing that. I'm seeing that in people's lives. I'm seeing that in the church. Uh, you know, we're getting great momentum as the year goes on. Uh, but this, this series is particularly about what do we need to do to strengthen our stakes? What are the, the stakes that we have to drive into our lives that help us maybe position ourselves for enlarging, to be the sort of Christians that, that the Bible talks about? What are those things we need to have in our lives? And I, I said this last week. I said, you know, I started with the, the fruit of the Spirit, and I thought, yeah, that's the thing, love, joy, peace, you know, all the nine fruits, and went, no, it's... That's the consequence of living a life with stakes driven into it that really represents that. So what are the things we need to do, attitudes, perspectives, what are the things we need to do to have operating our lives so we have those fruits of the Spirit in our lives? And so this series has come out of that. I've just come up with five so far, and, and last week we talked about contentment and we talked about the fact that if we compare ourselves with other people, we end up being discontented with life and we need to be really careful about it. We, we, we end up being less content than what we should be. Today we're going to talk about intimacy in relationships and it's one that I'm actually preaching to myself because I don't, I don't know if you recognise this about me but I'm a bit of an introvert really. I, I don't actually do this very easily, truthfully. My wife is an extrovert, Chris is an extrovert, I'm an introvert. And, uh, and so the people thing doesn't come that easily to me. I, I, I prefer, truthfully, to spend time almost by myself than, than when a crowd of people. And, and it just is something that we as Christians are urged to do, to do relationships well. Um, you know, and, and we're talking about how to be better at that in this crazy world we're living with this, this self-obsessed world, particularly with the, the added dimension of social media these days, it makes it really interesting how we um, do life, do relationships, do church, you know, and there's, there's a whole lot of trends that seem to be happening that make it even more difficult to do relationships in this crazy world. You know, I talked about social media last week and, and some people came up to me at the end. There, there are some good things about social media, so please, I'm not saying it's an evil thing. All I'm saying is you've got to be careful how much you use it. You know, we do use social media in the church and it's a great vehicle, a great mechanism of getting the good news out there. You know, for us, um, it's, it's tremendous if we put up a, a photo um, we can get thousands of, of views of that thing. And, and, and we want to say to our community, to be a positive influence to our community, we want to say to our community, look, there is a, another option in your life. There's another way to do life. There's a better way to do your life, you know, and, and basically offer them an, an alternative, I guess, to, to their current living situations. And, and so there's a way to use social media in a positive way as far as I'm concerned. But there also are quite a lot of negatives about social media and uh, um, 
And if we are consumed too much with social media, it will actually damage relationships. It will damage relationships. And uh, so, so we can use it, but we've got to manage it really well. And we're going to start with John 13 this morning, out of the book of John, chapter 13. And I want to give you some context of these verses as we look through these words of what Jesus says in this. You see, Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. And, uh, and I can't tell you enough here this morning what a, a, a stunning, uh, self-sacrificing, humbling act this was, Be- particularly in, in the context of, of Jesus' time. But even now, I don't know if you've ever done this, <laughs> but it's really uncomfortable you know, and we don't do it easily. And he showed them love by lowering himself to a, to a servant's level, to a lower than a servant's level, actually, and, and washing the disciples' feet. And he says to them this after that, in verse 34, A new command I give you. And what's the command? What's the command he's giving them? I give a new command to you to love one another. As I've loved you, you must what? You must love one another. By this, Jesus said, everyone will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. People will recognise that you are disciples of mine if you love one another. Not if you've got perfect theology. You know, good theology is important. Good doctrine is important in the church, no doubt. But he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He, he, he didn't say... If you're always in church, people will know you're my follower. No. No, because they don't know you're in church. We're not talking about us. We're talking about the world. So, so the only way the world can recognise that you are disciples, as, disciples of Jesus and followers of Jesus is by our love for one another. You know, even when we, we, we put the fish bumper stickers on the back of our cards. doesn't mean we're followers of Jesus. In fact, some of you doing that actually probably negates people wanting to be Christian by the way you drive, you know? And uh, so maybe that's not such a good idea. And, and it's not even that good idea to go around telling everybody, well, I'm a Christian, so should you be. That's not helpful. That's not that helpful. I don't know about you, but my goodness, you get people come up to you in the streets in some places and they, they want to preach the gospel at you and you feel like you're bumping on the nose, you know, it's just like, go away, get out of my face. I don't think you're that helpful, mate, to the, the building the kingdom. You're going to know that we are disciples by the way we love and treat one another, with the sacrificial love of Jesus inside our hearts. They will know that we are disciples by the way we love one another. I want you to catch this this morning. This is such an important thing. In church, people are watching. They're watching the way we relate together between us, the way we support and we love one another. And yes, there's a hurting world out there. And yes, we need to be reaching that world, no doubt. And yes, we need to be extending care and love to the world. But they will decide whether they want to be part of that lifestyle or not by the way they see us treat one another. Really important you catch this this morning. And the big question I want to bring this morning is, how is technology changing relationships? 
How's technology that we've got these days changing relationships? How's it impacting and, and, and making us do life differently because of that? And there's no doubt things like Skype and FaceTime are so amazing. You know, like we talked to Sophie in London, Sophie and Sam in London, and it's like they're just next door, you know, you're talking to them face to face and it's amazing technology. But there's some unintended negative consequences of technology and in relationships. And we could talk about lots of those this morning. I've just thought about three that I want to start with this morning and, and, uh, and probably this might be helpful to some of you. How is technology changing relationship? Well, the first thought is the term friend is evolving. The term friend is evolving. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts are or what a friend is, but, but mine were, you know, someone that you did life with, someone that you really, you know, you, you heard they're in trouble and you, you'd, you'd go and go to them and help them out or whatever. You know, I've got a friend in Perth whose wife uh, uh, got some melanoma cut off this week and uh, I just heard about it. And a friend, you just jump on the phone and say, hey, mate, just heard about it. How's it going? What were you up to? What's going on? And, uh, and he said, oh, yeah, I think it's going to be okay, but we're still waiting for results. And, and uh, that, that's a friend. But unfortunately, a friend sometimes has been evolving and, and so nowadays, a friend can be someone you've never met, you've never talked to, you wouldn't recognise them if you saw them, and they follow you on Facebook. And so the term's friend is evolving. Yeah, I, I looked up some, some statistics this week, and the average Facebook user has about 228 Facebook friends. Seems a lot, doesn't it? The average person in surveys says they have only two or three close friends. Whoa. Which is down from six apparently two decades ago. And, and also, 25% of people say they actually have no close friends. So there's a real tension here. There's, there's, there's a reality of tension in our lives that we have all these Facebook friends, but we have no real close friends. And you could argue all day long, there's lots of online interactivity, lots of contact, lots of information going back and forth, but there's still very limited personal intimacy because of that. The term of friend is evolving. The second thought I've got is this, and this is a really interesting one. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. We're becoming addicted to immediate affirmation. In other words, if I'm feeling lonely, if I'm feeling a little bit out of sorts, if I just need a little bit of affirmation, I can just jump online or I can take a selfie and I can just you know, do this and go put it online and, and take a photo go, and then I can upload it right now and two seconds, someone will like it maybe and then someone will say, you know, oh, wow, I like your shirt, Greg. And I say, yeah, it's got little flags on it and it's really cool. And, 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 and you can feel good about yourself. Immediately. But what's the problem with that? What's the problem? Because we're becoming addicted to immediate feedback. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Um, you know, there's, there's this thing called dopamine that, that's released in our brain when we get immediate, that immediate feedback. And we become addicted to that. And so we're constantly looking at our phone, what do they say? Do they like it? Do they not like it? What, what do they say about that? You know, what do I have to do next? You know, what, what, how, how, what, 
he never likes my photos. She never likes my photos. I'm never going to like their photos from here on in either. And we become addicted to this immediate feedback in our lives. And it's this, it's meeting a short-term need, but we're deferring a longer-term and deeper need. Now, I'm using words that, that I've read, but I, this is a real thing. We're meeting a short-term need through this thing, and we're deferring a longer-term and deeper need we all have in our lives. Now, sociologists have called this deferred loneliness. Deferred loneliness. There's a, t- a thing, we feel lonely, we post something, we say something, we get immediate feedback, it makes short-term need, but we're deferring that longer-term intimacy that we all have in our lives, relationships that we all want. And we're living for likes when we're longing for love. We're living for likes... On this, we're actually longing for relationship. And there's a real danger in this, a real danger. So how's technology changing relationship? The, friends, uh, the word friends is evolving. We become addicted to immediate feedback, affirmation. Number three, and this is probably, could be the most important one, is we have the power to do friendship on our own terms. (laughs) We have power to do friendship on our own terms. You know, if if Chris texts me, I have the choice to either read his text or not read his text, to respond to his text or not respond to his text, to do it later or whenever it fits. I'm control of what I do or I don't do. You know, if Robin posts an Instagram um, photo, um, you know, I, I have the choice whether uh, I like it, it's worthwhile looking at, or not. Chris is just texting me while I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> or I, I'll scroll right by, you know, and, uh, you know, or, or, or I mightn't like how many selfish she does so I'm going to actually unfollow her I don't like that take, I'm going to take that off I'm not, I'm not going to follow her anymore I wouldn't be game to do that by the way but um, because I oh know she doesn't use it so but this is just an example darling I'm not this isn't true basically I'm in control of the relationship I'm in control of that friendship it's on my terms it's the way I want to do it and, and see in a self-obsessed world that's totally acceptable but the problem is there's no accountability, there's no, there's no relationship building. It's based on likes or unlikes, follow or unfollow, based on the best version you can show and comparing it to the worst version I know about myself. And it's all screwed up. It's, it mucks us up. It mucks relationships up. You see, I, I, I wrote this down. We feel more connected than ever before, and yet I feel more alone than ever before. And it's the truth. Now look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And the writer of of Hebrews says this. Let us think of ways, and I love this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't it, be all, wouldn't it be amazing if we all got together and encouraged each other to be proactive and intentional about ways, good works and, and things we could do together for love and good works? 
be amazing that other people would see and they'd say, hey, they're Christians. You can see the way they love one another. And it goes on in verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another as the day draws near. Let us not neglect our meeting together. See, some of us need to rediscover what I've called here the power of being present. The power of being present, the being present in your relationships. You know, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. I'm there with them. You know, whenever we come together with other believers in the name of Jesus, we experience the very real presence of Jesus in our midst in a supernatural, significant, powerful way. And it doesn't mean that we, we can't experience his presence alone. Of course we can. Of course we can. That, that's, that's an absolute surety. You, you can do that. But there's something very special and something very powerful when we come together believers and seek God together, to pray together in the name of Jesus Christ together. There's power in that. When we join hands together and sing Kumbaya and we connect in our faith and, and you know, when we come together and, and we petition the throne of God, and we experience the power and the presence of God in our circumstance, in our situations. Something really very real about that and really powerful. You know, and, and even this week, we've, I've heard of many breakthroughs in this church where people have cared for each other and loved one another and gone beyond what was natural and normal and, and, and sowed into each other's lives and prayed for each other. And, and there's been breakthroughs and the Holy Spirit's been you know, just so evident in that. There's something special when we come together collectively and worship our God together. And we lift up our hands together and we pray and we believe with other believers and experience God in a personal way with, with everybody else. There's something wonderful about it. It's, there's an amazing blessing that comes through unity as we gather together. You know, and we join together and we, we believe and we, we, we stand up for each other and we love each other. And, 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 and there's some amazing power when we come together, get around God's word, and we read it together, and we believe it together, and we speak it over each other's lives, and we, we know God's goodness in that. There's great unity that comes, there's great blessing that comes because of that unity. And I want you to think about it this way this morning. God didn't shout down his love from heaven and say, well... Humans, work it out. Earth, work it out. Now he sent his son Jesus in a very personal, intimate way to this earth as a baby to experience all the struggles and all the, the difficulties of doing life in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He came to us in the person of Jesus and he lived with us and he loved us and showed us how to love. He loved those ones that were rejected by society, by religious institutions because they weren't worthy of, of their love. You know, they're, they're oppressed and, they're, and he ate with and dined with sinners and he worshipped with them and tax collectors and prostitutes and, and the worst of the worst. See, he didn't shout his love down from heaven and say, oh, I love you from afar. No, he said... I love you up close. And it's so powerful when we get in the presence of each other and in God's presence and we recognise what it is to be a Christian is to 
not to settle for something less, not for, to settle for something that's likes, is to know the love of God working through like a conduit, like a, a channel, each one of us into each other's lives. And so what I want to do this morning is, is get really practical and, and almost oversimplistic, to be truthful, but, but it, it just makes it easy sometimes to get the, the guts of what we're talking about here. And I promise you, if, if you get this this morning, the Holy Spirit will enter into your relationships and they'll be far more than they could be otherwise. Just two thoughts this morning, if you're taking notes particularly. And the first one's this. I want to encourage you to be present. Be present. I'm talking to everyone here this, this morning, including myself. If you're with somebody, be with them. Be present. You know, so often these days, we communicate thumb to thumb, not face to face. Thumb to thumb. Oh yeah, I'll send a message. Thumb to thumb. Oh, I haven't got time to do the face to face thing. Oh, that, that's a bit inconvenient. A bit, you know, it's a bit uncomfortable. You know, it's much easier just to send a text. And truthfully, I'm not sure it's cracking it. I'm not sure it's cracking it. And, and I'm saying this from my perspective. You know, it's so much easier to send a text than actually go out of your way and go and see somebody. Listen to this. Romans 12, 9. This is Paul saying this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. <laughs> Let's not just stay on a superficial level. Let, but what are we going to do? Scripture tells us what to do. It says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honouring each other. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. When there's a, a, a situation, an issue, something that comes up, love them, really love them. Help them. Be present in their lives. You know, um, for, this is just a, a, a thought. Think about this for you. Suppose you've got a friend or a family member or someone that's, that's hurting right now and they just got bad news, whether it was medical or what, they didn't get into university they wanted to get into or they've lost their job or they've got a bad report medically, whatever that is. Um, what is an acceptable, acceptable way to show love to those people? You know, for most of us these days, we'd send a text. We'd just send a text. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. But, but here's what I thought about. If you're going to send me a text, don't say I'm thinking about you, Greg. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just thinking about you, Greg. What help is that? What help is that? If you're going to send me a text, at least say I'm praying for you, Greg. I'm playing with you, Greg. I'm thinking about you, Greg. Well, that's no value at all. If you're going to send a text, at least say you're going to do something. I'll, I'll pray with you, pray for you. So that, that's okay. But let's take it up a notch. Now, I know for the younger people, this will be new to you. When you switch on your phone, there's a thing called contacts in there. And if you press on that, and there's actually a, a, an option down here, you can actually make a call. You can actually ring somebody. You, can't, you don't just press numbers on these things. You actually can make a call. And guess what? Someone talks to you on the other end. Now, I know that's new news to many people, but, but why not go the extra... Yard. 
Why not make that call, actually talk to a person, actually be able to ask them questions, actually go, how are you going? What's going on there? Tell me what I... And not only just say you'll pray for them, pray with them on the phone. Wow, that's a new thought. Pray with them on the phone. How are you doing? What's going on? What, what can I pray for you about? How, what, what's the outcome you're looking for? Let's pray together right now. Let's pray together right now. Let's take it up another level. And this is crazy. This is a whole new level of crazy. We won't just text. We won't just call. We'll actually get in our car and go to them. Whoa. Whoa. That's a whole new thing. This is a way we can show love to people. Go across the other side of town or, or make, even if it's inconvenient... We want to show Christ's love to one another as his disciples to show it to the world of what his love is meant to represent. And sometimes a text won't do it. Sometimes even a phone call won't do it. And we can sit face to face with them. We can actually have coffee. We can actually have tea. We can actually get together and, and actually talk. And we can pray and, and we can cry and we can... There can be grief and we can weep and, and if it's a guy, you can punch him on the arm and, you know, like, it, it's okay. It's okay. It's powerful when that happens. It's powerful when we're in the presence of each other and in God. And, and I've experienced this so many times over the years. You know, as a pastor, you know, I'm supposed to be good at this thing and I'm not sure I am. But I remember particularly in the early days of the church, there was a young couple it was their first pregnancy. They were pregnant, having a baby. It was their first pregnancy and they had no family in town and I heard they'd lost their baby. And um, they were a fair way along and it was, it was tragic. And I remember Robin was away at the time. She was away for a couple of weeks overseas and, uh, and I usually defer to her for this stuff and, uh, or at least take her along. But my safety... <laughs> Chain had gone, you know, and I couldn't just, I knew I couldn't just text, I knew I couldn't just even ring, I knew I had to go around to their place, and I was nervous as, because it was quite early in the church, and uh, um, I was praying, God, you know, help me do this right, give me the words to say, don't, don't let me mess this up, you know, and, and uh, I, I walk in and I'll never forget <laughs> this husband. He just burst into tears. And we wept together. And not just a, a little few tears, but a sobbing, snotty mess. And I'll never forget that. And then his wife came in. And she was crying. And we just sat there. I don't know how long we sat there and we just cried together. That's all I could do. I had kids. I knew what it would have meant to lose one of those kids. And um, <laughs> I thought, oh, heck, I better do something pastoral. I'm a pastor. I better look like what I know what I'm doing here. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll pray a prayer. It was the most pathetic, faithless prayer I've ever prayed. It was God, God help them. Amen. And I walked out to my car and felt so ridiculously 
un, not ready for that. So small and insignificant to think, come on, Greg, you could have said something better than that. Anyway, a couple of days later, I got the nicest note from this couple. They said, when you walked in the room, it just felt like God's life came with you. And um, I'll never forget it. I said this, every word you said was perfect. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. And that's when you know God in, is in your midst. I was present. I was with them. Didn't have a clue what to say, how to say it. Did it badly. And yet somehow the Holy Spirit God got the honour and glory. And they felt loved and they felt supported. And, and to this day, they're, they're, they're friends of ours. They've moved out of the area now. We stay in contact with them, you know, and they're close friends. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, that's the sort of attitude we need to have as a church. To go beyond which is comfortable. You see, it's comfortable to send a text. Sometimes it's even comfortable to make a phone call, it's uncomfortable to get face-to-face with somebody and say, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And, and, and I had to recognise out of that my presence meant more than the words that I could say. It was more than just words. It was actually being there with them, being present with them, even though I, I didn't feel qualified to really be there. He's now... See, our God is a relational God. He's a relational God. He created us to love him and to love one another. And, and we can't love each other from a distance with technology well. You know, we use what we've got, of course. Of course, you know, I rang my friend in Perth because I couldn't get there. You know, and that's, that's really important. We use what we've got. But don't do, do the superficial thing. Don't, don't do the thing that, that's, that's easy to do. Do the thing you know God's calling you to do. And I don't know what that would mean for you this morning. But maybe it might be just asking someone to lunch that you'd never have thought to ask to lunch before. Maybe it's someone that you go, oh yeah, we'll have lunch sometime, see you later. No, actually, have lunch with them. Actually, have, get face to face with them. Sit down and break bread and actually talk and... and and, and tell stories and, and enjoy each other's company. You know, maybe for you, um, it might be, uh, you know, sowing into someone's life who's younger than you. Well, they wouldn't want to hang with me. Of course they would. If you ask them, if you ask them, maybe it's asking somebody that, you know, nobody else is going to invite to your place. Look, maybe it's, it's someone you think, well, they never get invites, so I'll ask them. You see, that's the way we show love to each other in the church as the body of Christ. Some of you right now, you're longing for something more spiritually. And I'll tell you what you're missing. You're missing the joy and blessing of the Christian community, opening up God's word with other people, doing life together and encouraging one another. And what we call that in this... And and, and does it get messy? Yes, it does get messy. Yes, it's tough sometimes. It is. And, and, and you can't control it and you can't keep, do it from a distance. It's got to be up close. But the risk is worth the reward. And we call it life groups here. 
That's what we do. We, we meet together in small groups. Now, whether they're, they're part of the church registered life groups or there's something you do with other Christians, doesn't matter. Just get together. You know, together life is better. Together we're better. Together we're better. It seems like we live these lives now that the goal is to not have anyone else in our lives. We, we, we seem to work for these big houses that we can have garage with the remote controls and we can drive into that drive, into that garage, put the remote control on and not have to look at a neighbour. And it seems like we, these, these days, through social media, we can have all our contact through that and never have any real face-to-face with anybody. It's like the goal has become to keep people out of our lives and Jesus would tell us very clearly, no, it's not as to ask people into your lives. It's to get closer to people. It's to love them with all their, their faults and their problems and their issues and, and yes, it's messy, but for goodness sake, we're living a superficial Christianity if we think it's the other. It can't be the way, it's not the way Jesus would tell us to, but it can't be the way he would want us to live our lives. And you've got to understand, I'm talking to myself here this morning as much as you. I truly am. We need other people in our lives. Together we're better. You know, there's accountability that comes through relationship. We speak into each other's lives and let people speak into your life. So the first thing is be present with those around you. Second point, and this to finish, I want to encourage you to be engaged. To be engaged. Don't just be physically present, but be emotionally present. Be completely engaged and present. In, in fact, Peter the Apostle says this. This is out of 1 Peter 4.8. 1 Peter 4.8. Most important of all, continue to show what? To continue to show deep love for one another, a deep spiritual engagement where we're all in. We're all into this thing. Yes, we're committed to this thing. Where the person in the room is the most important one to us. You know, I guarantee we've all seen this scenario. We're out at a restaurant. There's four or five people sitting at a table. What are they doing? They're not talking to each other. They're all. And you think, that is crazy. That is crazy. That, what, what are you doing? And the older ones are doing it. The younger ones are doing it. And I've seen this in my house, particularly with my kids and, and their friends. And there'll be a room full of kids and they'll all be on their phones. Or it'll be with our, our, our kids and their spouses and grandkids and, and everyone's doing their own thing. And the kids are going, hey, what about us? What about us? Parents, you've done this probably. Your kids are begging for attention and you're looking for the latest stupid thing on Pinterest or the last, the, the, the trendy doily that'll make a difference in your life. No, it won't. No, it won't. Young people don't even know what doilies are. I said this somewhere the other day and they went, what's a doily? Probably doesn't work that well, does it? It won't change your life. I'm guaranteeing you it won't. And your kids are begging for attention. And, and, and I've realised this. I don't know why I just started doing this, but, but when I'd meet with someone, I'd put my phone on the table 
And I've realised what that is saying. It's actually saying this thing is more important than you. And I've realised, because I've had it done to me, someone will sit down with me and they'll put their phone right there and they go, okay, you've got a few minutes to talk. Oh, sorry, there's a message. And uh, no, it's not good enough. I'm keeping this thing on silent in my, my pocket from now on. And I'll look at it when I've finished the meeting, when I've the face-to-face thing's finished, when I've done and said all that I need to say, all that person needs to say. And this thing won't be the main thing because it demeans relationships. You know, for you, maybe there's some boundaries you need to start to put into your life. You know, I know for us, um, I really don't answer many texts or, or emails at night time. Robin puts her, blocks hers after I think it's 8 o'clock. Eight. Um, and you can message us, but we're not going to answer. And nothing's, unless it's an emergency, I keep my eye on for emergencies, but don't, don't message us at midnight unless there's an emergency. I don't want to know the last meal you've just had. I don't care about the pair of shoes you've just bought. You know? It's the truth. I don't. You know, it's like me meeting with you and, and, and sitting down and so tell me what's going on. Then I pull out my book and go, yeah, I'm just going to read a few pages here. Well, keep going, keep going, yeah. And, and oh, I've just got my to-do list here and keep going, yeah, I'm, t- I'm listening. Oh, that's right, I've got to book my car in for that mechanic and oh, that's right. And, no, keep going, I'm listening, I'm listening. It's just being so rude. We need to understand that when we're face-to-face with someone, it's not just being present... It's actually being engaged with what they're saying, with who they are, reading the signs, the, 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 the physical signs and the, and the love, like their language that they're speaking through their body. And, and you know, there's this thing. Um, when this, this thing goes off, we, we constantly think we have to respond to it. No, we don't. We'll miss out. And there's a new term in the dictionary, FOMO, F-O-M-O, it stands for fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. And most of it's rubbish. Most of it's rubbish. And there's a generation that's coming through that's exa- yeah. What am I going to miss? What am I going to miss? What, what, what's, go- what's going to happen? What, you know, what, what, I've got to know what's happening. And No, you don't. I don't care if you've got a funny cat picture or not. Don't. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes. But, but I don't really care what your the dinner that you're eating or, or whatever that is. I don't care. And we're so consumed. Well, did they like it? Did they like it? Is there many likes? Is it, oh, yeah, there's a few likes. Oh, she didn't like it. What's wrong with her? And, and uh, here's a funny story. When, when texting started, and I don't know how many years ago this was, but it was like, Early church days in the in the early two thousands, and uh, they started using all the abbreviations, the acronyms, and uh, and, and I got a, a message through that said LOL. I thought, huh, I'm sure that would mean lots of love, wouldn't it? So I sent so many inappropriate text messages out saying, "Hope you're feeling well, LOL, Greg." And it didn't make much sense. And my kids told me one day, LOL doesn't mean lots of love, Dad. It actually means laugh out loud. And I went, oh. 
Okay. Okay, how can I take those things back? No, you can't. They're out out there. Um, See, at the end of our life, we're not going to, it doesn't matter how many likes we got. Oh, I got 97. If I just got 100, that would have been awesome. That would have made my life much better. No, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. See, we're known as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, by our love for one another, by how we display our love for one another, how the world sees us loving one another. Fear of missing out. You might miss on what someone says on the phone, but I'm telling you, what we should be really afraid of is missing out on our kids growing up. What we should be really afraid of is, is have, building that relationship with our spouses. What we should be really afraid of is not building the, the relationship that God would want us to build in his church. That's what we really should be afraid of. Put some boundaries around that. Put some boundaries around that. You know, we've had to because it got out of control. And Rob would be taking 27 text messages at night time and and you'd be constantly responding to people and, and it cut across our relationship. We had to put some boundaries in place. You know, our phones never go to the dinner table. Never do. We just won't take them to the dinner table. When we're eating dinner, we're eating dinner. We're not texting and we're not taking emails. We just don't do that. You know, in life group, I would suggest all the life group members... Put your phones down. Turn them off. Put them in your pockets. Don't have them out. You know? <laughs> I thought of this. Some people, I'm sure, take phones to bed with them. And I can imagine the two spouses being in bed together. And, uh, and you're tempted to phone, to text her and say, you know, you're keen? <laughs> and I can just imagine. And, and, you're, and you're laughing because it's, close to the truth for some people. But you know what the problem is? The problem is, which he sends back the message, hashtag headache. <laughs> We're gone. We're gone. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> First John. First John 3.18. First John 3.18. Dear children... Let us not merely what? Let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us do what? Let us show the truth by our actions. Let us show the truth by our actions. Don't just pray for them. Pray with them. Don't just like what they post. Like who they are. Get involved in their lives. You know, I think this is the greatest weapon that the early church had. They showed their love for each other in amongst persecution and death threats and all sorts of stuff. And, and people may not believe, the sceptical world would look on and say, well, I don't know that I believe this Jesus died on the cross and, and rose again. I'm not sure I believe that. I'm not sure I believe what they believe. But you know what? I see how they love each other. I see how they love each other. I see how they care for each other. See, Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. Church, I don't know what that, how that applies to you in your life, but bring the changes that you need to bring to live a life that Jesus wants you to live. Don't live your life just the way the world dictates. 
See what Jesus says and then respond out of that. And to be followers of Jesus, to be his disciples, we need to love one another. Face to face. It's difficult sometimes, yes. But that's what Jesus told us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this amazing opportunity, God, to meet with you and to meet with each other as as your church, as the body of Christ. God, and we know this is never just meant to be a Sunday thing. God, this is a life thing. This is the way we're meant to live our lives, God. Lord, I pray that your presence through your Holy Spirit would do your work in our church, that the world would know that we are your disciples by the way we love one another. And as we're praying this morning, I don't know how you need to change what you're doing, how you're doing your life. Maybe it's to do with social media, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the way you've isolated yourself. Maybe there's some changes you need to bring. Let the Holy Spirit right now as we're praying just show you what you need to do. What do you need to do differently from this point forward? To do relationships. Make that one of the stakes that you put down in your life to know that there's a relationship is important to you. And you make it a priority to be in relationship with other Christians. And as we're praying this morning, all eyes are closed and heads bowed. I I really want to um, just ask you a question. Have you got that relationship with the most important person in the world right? Have you got that relationship with Jesus right in your life? Maybe at some stage you've actually made a decision to follow Christ or maybe you haven't. Somehow in in the busyness and the distractions of life, you've got off track. And you need to know that you have to come back to that place this morning. You know that you know. And here this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond before you finish and do a song. It's an opportunity to get that relationship right with Jesus that's you this morning it's real easy just want to put your hand up right where you're sitting right where you're sitting so yep that's me Greg that's me Greg if that's you just stick your hand up right now so I can pray with you fantastic fantastic is anyone else here this morning just knows you've got to get that relationship the most important relationship right awesome Father we thank you Lord your, your word we thank you for your Holy Spirit God, we thank you that we can so easily have relationship with you, Jesus, as we ask you into our hearts that you forgive us and, and God, that that we become uh, your disciples as a consequence of that, God. We become followers of you, Jesus, and, uh, and Lord, that you do all in us that you need to do, God. We thank you so much for this opportunity to meet together as your church, to be your church, to be the body of Christ. God, to show your love for each other to our community and world, God, so we can be, I don't know, declared as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and there's, there's something that's attractive about that. So God, we pray that it attracts the world to know there is a different way to live life. We pray that all in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.